Welcome. So nice to have you with us, and uh, really glad that you made it out. We, we are really jumping right in to this ministry season, starting today. In the past, we've tried to wait because reality of our situation is a lot of people are still doing the summer cottage thing, and uh, usually it's Thanksgiving where things get wrapped up and people start to return, um, and so hopefully we'll be putting this out to those who have missed it because we feel like it's really important, but we didn't want to waste time this year. We want to really jump in, so kind of like what we're doing even this morning, we are jumping straight in uh, because we believe God is doing some really amazing stuff here at Willow Creek, and uh, we want to take the next month to dig into that, and there's really two key things that I would like for you to be thinking about as we do that, uh, really all around the umbrella of how is the Lord asking you to participate? How is he asking you to participate, one— for your own growth, your own spiritual growth, and two, how is he asking you to participate in other people's growth? Okay? So this is what we're getting into, and uh, as I mentioned, we're launching a four-week series today uh, into the new ministry season ahead. <clears throat> so when I say the season ahead, or season, yes, I, I know I'm probably going to boo when I say this. It's like almost fall, right? When does it officially fall? Does, is there a date for that? Whatever. Anyway, school started, right? So here we are, you know, summer, it's gone. Here we move into your kids are in school if you've got them. And uh, we're moving into the fall season. But when I say season, I want to pull up a little bit higher than just fall or, you know, winter of 23 and, you know, 24 and moving into that. I want to talk season in the bigger picture, really looking at the season that has been for us over the past two or three years. Uh, and, and going into that and... Uh, a refresher if you've been around for the past few years, uh, two to three I would say, we really felt like the Lord was calling us into a corporate season of Sabbath rest. Now, that's kind of an interesting concept. In the Bible, um, a, a Sabbath is a one day a week where we take off. I think we need to get back to that, actually. It's an amazing practice if you can get into it. It's one of our spiritual disciplines. Once a week, we stop working. Do you do that? It's an amazing thing spiritually when we stop on that day and we remind ourselves through prayer, God's in charge. For 24 hours, I'm going to be useless and know that God still loves me all the same. Isn't that good to know? We need that reminder. But also for that 24 hours, we're not going to be out there producing and achieving and knowing that God's still the boss and he can take care of it. It's actually a really great reminder, but scripture tells us that there's this idea of a sabbatical season, a jubilee. In, in the Old Testament and agricultural society, that was every seven years, you let your ground lay fallow. You don't plant anything. And the whole goal of that, even scientifically speaking, is it lets the soil regain nutrients that's needed to keep producing healthy crops into the future. And as a church, we felt as we started moving into COVID, the Lord was calling us into a season, a sabbatical season, where he needed to get us to pause on the stuff that we do, the tangible ministries, and go inward so that he, through his Holy Spirit, could work on the soil of our hearts. 
making sure that the nutrients are good in there so that the fruit that can come in the next season to come will be coming from healthy soil. So you could say it this way. It was a season of refining. It was a season of pruning. Jesus uses that example of pruning the vine, the branches. You have to get rid of the dead stuff so that the right stuff goes to the right places and produces fruit. Lift those vines up off the ground. Make sure the sun's getting to it. An internal season. And as I've been mentioning, if you've been here in the recent months, and as we've been praying, it's taken a long time that we felt the Lord kept us in that place, but we believe he is now moving us into a season of going outward, to a season of building, a season of implementing, a season of getting back and really rolling back into those tangible ministries that take us out into other people's growth and discipleship. You tracking with me so far? You got me here? This is what I mean when I say season. And so here we are, and that's what we want to ultimately talk about over the next four weeks. Each week, I'm going to be taking one to two of our core ministries, our tangible ministries that we do here at Willow Creek, and we're going to be breaking those down to be reminded of Christ's call, the Scripture's call to that ministry, why we do it. And then we're going to give time for the leaders of those ministries to get up and share what's happening. And here's what I'd like for you to be praying about. As I've already said, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep saying it because I want you to catch this. Two things that I'd like for you to keep praying about through this whole series starting today. Where is the Lord asking you to participate in these things for your own growth? And where is he asking you to participate in these things for other people's growth? Okay? I hope I'm getting really obnoxious in how I'm repeating that because I really want you to catch that one. This is what we're doing. So, that might mean joining a ministry that you need for your own discipleship growth or joining a ministry that needs you participating in other people's discipleship growth. And what I find experientially, there's some of us who want to skip the ones that are for us because we just want to do the ones that are for other people. No, thank you. That's not how it works. Ministering to other people has to come from our own growth. Some of us maybe are cool to do the part for ourselves, but we have a whole lot of reasons why we're not going to participate in someone else's. Maybe you're freaked out by the whole thing. Hey, take a deep breath. I will not be calling people out by name. It's all okay. But I'm asking you before the Lord to really pray about what is he asking you to participate in as we go through. And I just want to say this before I jump in. This feels like a really important moment for us as a church. A really important season for us as a church. And I want to be careful not to overdo that because every pastor wants to get up and think that every sermon and every season and everything is the biggest one ever. I get that. I'm trying to work on that because I do. But this season feels big. It feels really important. And so maybe you've been around for a long time. You've heard that before. (laughs) Can I ask you to lay down the past? Come with open hands and open hearts. And give the Lord a blank sheet of paper in your life. What is he doing? What is he doing? How does he want to work in you? And how does he want to work through you? Okay?
Can we do that? Yeah, thank you. That's, I was hoping to get a response, but that sounded rhetorical. But yes, thank you. That's okay. You respond in your heart. I want you to think about that as we move through and pray about it. We're going to have time today with communion to, to really sit and focus and let the Lord speak. Uh, today we're going to focus on our GROW ministry. Uh, that will be the ministry that we highlight today. But before we do that, I'd like for you to give me some time here to take us back to the basics. Uh, before we talk about our tangible ministries, it's really important we're on the same page with our purpose. Why do we do those ministries? Where do they fit? Have you ever done a program, a ministry, uh, a task, even your job, and you weren't really sure where it fit into the overall why of the organization, the overall purpose? I mean, some of us are just doers, and you just put your head down, and you go for years like that. Others of us are like, you're going to get frustrated right away. It's like, why am I doing this? Why is this important? Where does it fit? I want to make sure we understand the why, the ultimate purpose that we as a church have from Christ himself. And that ultimate purpose can be wrapped up in this one word, and it's called the gospel. The gospel. And that gospel breaks itself down into two places. One, the message the gospel message, and two, the gospel mission. So let me talk about the gospel message for just a second. Uh, the gospel message, otherwise you've heard us talk about and you've heard before, is the good news. The word gospel translated actually means to proclaim good news. And so when we talk about that, we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is the gospel message. That is the good news. Well, why is it good news? Thank you for asking. Let's find out. Let's look at what the Lord says in Scripture. Paul in Romans says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus our Lord, Jesus our Savior. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So what is the good news? Jesus says it this way in Luke 7. So he replied to the messengers, go back. This is John the Baptist saying, hey, Jesus, are you sure? What's going on? Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news, the gospel, is proclaimed to the poor. Poor financially, poor in spirit, poor in every way. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Paul gets even more specific when he talks about what the gospel is, the good news. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For what I received, the gospel, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the why. This is the reason that we exist. It's the first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and raised again on the third day according to the scripture, period. There it is. The most succinct understanding of the gospel. So based on our faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, all of creation is being reconciled back to its creator, back to God. What does that mean? Based on our faith in the person of Christ, can I just explain that really quick? That Jesus, the guy born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, Israel, was actually God. He is the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Left heaven and became fully man, 
a full human who lived his life, and here's the work of Christ, perfectly. He didn't sin. And then he died on the cross because we did. He was buried, and three days later, after he was actually dead, he was actually raised back to life through the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Based on our faith in this, Christ offers every human being what the Hebrew word says, shalom. Shalom. Have you heard that before? Shalom. Shabbat shalom. Maybe you've heard that in Israel. You go around Friday night, but Shabbat shalom, Shabbat shalom. Shalom means peace, but our English word for peace for shalom doesn't cut it. The wholeness of that word shalom or peace in the original Jewish language means complete, whole, right. So here's what that word shalom means. We have a broken relationship in every possible relationship of our lives. It's broken with our creator. It's broken within ourselves. It's broken with all the people around us. And what Christ does when he says he reconciles and brings shalom, this is the good news. What he did, who he was, and what he did on the cross in the empty tomb brings us back and reconciles what was broken between us and our God. It reconciles us with what's broken within ourselves. Think about that. And it reconciles us with the broken relationships around us. Now there's nuance to that. We still falter. There's a lot of different things. But this is what Christ has come to bring. He started the process now and he's going to complete that process when he returns one day. This is good news. And this is what Jesus, God who left heaven and became a man, lived, died, rose again, this is the good news that he brings. This is the gospel message. Hope we're clear on that. And Jesus himself in all these passages calls every person to repent and believe. The word repent, I know if you've been around church, kind of gets some weird connotations. Here's what it means, actually. It's all it means is you're going this direction, about face, 180 degrees, come back to this one. That's what repent means. So when Jesus calls us to repent and believe this, what he's saying is, I'm repenting by turning away from every person, place, or thing not named Jesus for my shalom, and I'm coming back to the only guy who can give it to me. That's what it means to repent and believe. How are all those other places and people and things working and bringing you peace in your life? I might get it for a bit. It's going to fail, though. It's not a question of if, just a question of when. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life, the shalom. This is the gospel message. Repent and believe through his life, his death, and his resurrection. But we can't stop at this idea that Jesus saves us from our sins. That is so true and so good. But that happens because we have made him Lord. The salvation bit comes after the lordship bit. And this is something that we miss, I think, in our church. 
speak to the Canadian church at least. Making Jesus Lord, it's that about face. Only he can do it. Only he can do it. This is bigger than a decision. It's bigger than a prayer. It's bigger than Jesus just simply saving you from a bad place and taking you to a good place. This is an about face. Completely. I will choose to stop chasing stuff that doesn't work and I'm going to chase Christ and let him and him alone be the one that brings my peace. Jesus and his original disciples never came to people with the good news and the gospel message and said, hey, repeat a prayer after me. Did you know that? Now, a lot of you sitting here prayed a prayer once. So did I. It's all good. The Lord knows our heart. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't just saying a prayer and going, cool, I got my fire insurance, if you will. You know what Jesus calls people to and what his disciples called people to? Follow me. That was the decision. It wasn't, hey, I repeated a particular prayer. I said some specific words. It is a heart decision. I am going to follow Christ. I'm going to make him first. This is what we're talking about. We talk about the gospel message, which leads us to the gospel mission. And the gospel mission is this, that we are called to be disciples, making disciples. Disciples making disciples is the mission that Christ himself gave to every follower who has chosen to follow him. So first, we have to be his disciple. What do we call it when you tell someone else to do something that you yourself are not doing? Hypocrisy, right? How am I going to help someone else follow Christ if I'm not also following Christ myself? Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Please hear me. You're going to make mistakes. I'm not talking about perfection. We're talking about a heart posture that has chosen, hey, even when I mess up, I need to own that and get back on track. That's what we're talking about. If I'm not willing to do that for myself, how am I ever going to help someone else do that? We have to first be disciples. A disciple is a follower of Christ. Mark 1, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, also called Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, and they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me. Let me be boss. Let me be Lord. Lordship is a daily choice to deny what we think and what we want and to replace it with what Jesus thinks and what Jesus wants. That's what we're talking about. We obey what he thinks and what he desires. It's a daily decision. But all of this has to be in the context of the two big commands that Christ gives. There's two, actually. I mean, we have the great one, love your neighbor, love the Lord your God, your heart, soul, strength, all the other things. I always get that one mixed up. And love your neighbor as yourself. But all of that gets wrapped up here in two commands that Christ gives. The first is this, 
abide in me, and the second one is this, deny yourself. Abide in me, deny yourself. Abide also means remain, stay in. John 15, 4. This is the the branches and the fruit part I was at earlier. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, remains in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. I think a lot of us who've grown up in church or been a part of church for some time, we've made this decision to follow Christ, our whole focus has been on the deny part. And let me share that part. I, I, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me. And where we get thrown off is we jump just to the deny part. We open our Bible, we read it, it says do this, don't do that, and we go do this and we don't do that. And we wonder why there's no power behind it. And we also wonder why every time we try to do it, just give us a few more days and we'll not do it again. Right? Because you can't do it in your own strength. That's called legalism. That's what the religious leaders were trying to do in Jesus' day, and that's why he gave them such a hard time. This isn't something you do out of obligation. This isn't something you do in your own strength. You can't. It's impossible. That's why abide has to come first. Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. This doesn't mean we just blindly go and we go, hey, Jesus said this and he did this. Okay, I'll say that and do this in this situation and that situation. It's a lifestyle of communion with Christ through his spirit. His heart and his mind being transplanted into ours, becoming more like him as we follow him. We have to listen. We listen to Jesus' desires, his commands, his words for our lives. That's abide. And then we obey them. That's deny. I put down the thing, because can I just let you in on a little secret? Probably close to 100% of the time, I don't know, maybe I'll give you 98 or 99% of the time, what Jesus wants and asks of you is not going to be what you want. Well, that's really nice. Thanks. Who wants to sign up for that? Because Jesus actually knows what you need. Remember, we keep pursuing the people, the places, the things that we think are going to give us the peace and the stuff, the wholeness, the completeness. It just keeps failing. But when I listen to what Christ asks me to do and I obey it, it brings life, freedom, healing, reconciliation, all the good stuff. Shalom. When Jesus speaks, it's either going to be for our own discipleship or for the discipleship of others. And when he speaks, we have a choice. Will I deny what I want and do what he wants? Or will I keep doing it my way? And I say this, disciples of Jesus Christ accomplish this by being in daily communion with God, walking in community with other disciples. And when we do that, the result of it is Christ-like character. Three C's there. Let me just break that down super quick. Requires communion. Uh, it encompasses the same spiritual disciplines that Jesus himself practiced. We're coming here today to take communion with Christ as a community. 
We're going to remember Christ. We're going to take a moment. Who is he? What did he do? What is he doing in my life? What's happening here? Communion is, yes, we're taking physical. We're going to take a cup. We're going to take bread. But communion is bigger. That's part of. Communion means I am living my life intimately with Christ. The same way I would with a spouse. You know, like one of the most intimate relationships we can be in, how would that go if the relationship was purely transactional? Uh, laundry, car, mm, e, ah, work, woo-hoo, food, go to bed, okay, get up the next day. Not much of a marriage, would it be? This is talking about an intimate relationship with our God. Communion. And we do that primarily through this word that I'm sure we're all familiar, prayer prayer. How did Jesus commune with the Father? Because he did it all the time, right? Remember all the stories? The lineups are going, he's healing people, he's doing all these incredible things like he said he would, and then he disappears, and the disciples are running around going, Jesus, Jesus, where are you? There's still a line, there's still a line. He goes, hey, I had to go spend some time with the Father. Commune with the Father, listen to the Father. How did Jesus do it? We call those spiritual disciplines, they aren't something that the church just came up with somewhere in the Middle Ages. It's been there since Jesus. Scripture and prayer, the two biggest. The two biggest ways that we commune with God. But there's silence, there's solitude, there's fasting, there's community, there's worship, there's serving. The list goes on. You actually go to our website where it says our purpose. We've got it all laid out. It's amazing. This requires community also with other followers of Christ. This is where our grow ministry comes in, and you're going to hear more about it in a second, so I'm going to hit pause right there on that one. But when we have communion with God, and we do that in community with other people, the result is Christ-like character. Galatians 5, here's what that character looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, the Lord has spoken. That was very angelic, my goodness. If I could just remind us, you can't produce fruit. It's called fruit of the Spirit because it comes from, you're allowed to say it, the Spirit. Thank you. This comes from the Spirit. You don't run around. Here's your job. You cultivate the roots. You water. You plant. You make time. You make space. But the Spirit has to do the fruit. And here's the caution when we talk about being a disciple. Personal discipleship is where the vast majority of North American disciples live and die over the past many decades. What do I mean by that? It just becomes all about me. Oh, I have to be a disciple. I have to read the Bible. I have to pray. I have to do the things. And a huge part of doing what Christ asks is actually getting involved in other people's discipleship. That's a command of Christ. In John 15, bearing fruit also means discipleship fruit. Not just my own fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of discipling and reproduction of discipleship. 
If you want a measurable, if you're one of those kinds of people and you're used to this in your, your world, it's like, what are the measurables? How do we know we achieved our goal? How do we know we have achieved the mission? Here's, here's the primary way. When disciples can actually make disciples who can make disciples, who can make disciples, who can make disciples, who can make disciples, who can make disciples. That's it. Why are you sitting here today, follower of Jesus? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a disciple who can make a disciple. That's why you're here. Not because there was a really great preacher at a particular church on a particular corner. This is the mission. And that brings us to that second part. We are disciples who make disciples. Mark 1. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, Simon and Andrew casting the net, come, follow me. And Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And if that wasn't clear enough, <clears throat> Matthew 28, 19, Jesus now resurrected has spent days with hundreds of followers, is now going up to be with the Father, and he's sending his Holy Spirit. And what does he say to his disciples? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm not going to make you just go do this by yourself. I'm going to give you what you need to pull it off, because you can't do it by yourself. Go and make disciples. Christ, our Lord, asks every disciple to become a discipler, a disciple maker. This is what he means when he says fish for people. Every single follower of Christ is sent to go be a part of other people's discipleship. Can I say this a little more clearly? If you have chosen to follow Christ and you are unwilling to participate in others' discipleship, you are living in disobedience. Ouch. Now, can I add some grace to that truth? For those of you who are freaking out right now, and I'll keep adding some grace to this as we go, but I just need to make sure that that's clear. Asking a horrible swimmer to go save the drowning is not very helpful. If you're a new follower of Christ or you're an old follower of Christ, and this has not been a part of your discipleship, just take a deep breath. Especially if you're an older follower of Christ, because this is where shame really starts to work. I should have been doing this. I should know this already. I haven't. How am I going to say that out loud? People are going to know. Could you let that go, please? That is one of the greatest tactics of the enemy to keep you from moving forward. Could you just put your hand up in the right context? Not right now. <laughs> in the right context and go, hey, I need some help. Cool. Because discipling other people, as we've said, has to come from our own discipleship. So take a deep breath. Give yourself the grace that Jesus himself gives you. And let's start moving in that direction at his pace and the way he wants it to happen. So just take it easy. We're going to get there.
But one of the primary ways we go about this, and this is really important, we do this by unity through our diverse gifting. You've heard this phrase before if you've been around. Unity through our diverse gifting. John 17, Jesus has this giant prayer in the garden right before he goes to the cross. And one of the key bits of it, he says, Lord, would you make, and he's now talking not just about his immediate 12 disciples, he's talking about every disciple that's going to come. That's how he clarifies it. That's me and you. Would you make them one with us and one with each other so that the world will know, Father, that you sent the Son and that you love them. What's John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, right? Jesus ties our unity with him and our unity with each other, our communion with him, our communion with each other, into the gospel message and mission. Huge. Critical ingredient. But then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, a number of passages around this. Just as a body, though one has many parts, all its many parts form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This type of unity, this type of ministry, this type of mission cannot happen outside of the power of Christ's Holy Spirit. It will not happen. You can fake it. I've done it before. Do you know you can fake spiritual fruit? It's kind of scary how easy it is, actually. But it's not real. And it doesn't last. The only way we accomplish all of this is through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus says in all these passages leading up to him disappearing and going into heaven. Hey, hold tight because I am going to give you the greatest gift ever. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Two really amazing gifts from the Lord. God's Word, this Bible, and his Holy Spirit. You can't figure this out without the Holy Spirit. It's a nice book. It's actually a super difficult book. With a great message if you have the Holy Spirit. So he gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. Every follower of Christ, personally indwelled and empowered by his very Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you and me. Now that's good news also. But there's a second piece to this. That Spirit who empowers us in our own discipleship supernaturally empowers us and gives us gifts to take part in other people's discipleship. Spiritual gifts. Every follower of Christ has at least one of them. Again, if you haven't followed with us, we've got this stuff up on our website under the title, Our Purpose. Go check it out. Now let me say this. For those of you who are freaking out right now, I've already spoken to you, but can I just say a couple more things? I have a feeling every one of us is freaking out a little bit. That's probably good. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. But can I just encourage you? 
catch the beauty here. This has absolutely nothing to do with your personal ability or skill. Now, the Spirit can use your abilities and your skills, amen, but your abilities and skills aren't what he's looking for. It's not what gets the job done. Some of that's crushing because we think we're pretty good. Yeah, come back down to earth. I find more of us, though, live in an underconfidence. Uh, I can't do that. I got nothing to offer. I don't care where you're at. This is not about you. It's about him. It's about his Holy Spirit in you. Can't do this on your own. So can I just say this? In case this is what holds you back, could we please stop measuring our spiritual growth, our personal growth, and our ministry growth based on other spiritual giants in our lives. Could we stop that? Can I give you, let you in a little secret? Give me a spiritual giant, give me enough time, and I'll show you where they're not so giant. Jesus is the only one that fits that category. But what you do in that is you minimize your ability to see the uniqueness that the Spirit has come to you because you're so lost in someone else across the aisle. Maybe it's someone from the past that you look at, I can never be like that person. And you're stuck. Let it go. Let the other people go. You and Jesus, you and his Holy Spirit, you and the Father, what have they gifted you with? What is your part? Maybe it's service, so just serve. You are taking part in other people's discipleship by serving. Maybe it's administrating the church and the different things. You are taking part in other people's discipleship by doing that. I don't care if you have support gifts or frontline gifts or really crazy powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit that look really crazy and what's going on. I don't care where you fall in that. You have a gift if you are a follower of Christ. How is he asking you to put that into play? What does that look like? And all of this now finally brings us to the practical ministries that allow us to carry this out. I read a book before I came here like 12 years ago. And basically what this guy said, he's, he's a church consultant for the U.S. and Canada. And he, I believe, made a really important prophetic statement. The North American church does everything backwards. So you have really three things that a church needs to worry about. There's the gospel, gospel message and mission. There's the programs that carry the gospel message and mission. And there's governance and structure. It's what's your, what's your administrative systems that support the programs that support the gospel. But here's what his prophetic statement is. North American churches do it backwards. Because we're so obsessed with other churches that we see as more successful. Oh, they've got thousands. They must be doing it right. Not necessarily. Maybe they are. But then you go to that church and you go, okay, how do you organize yourself? What are your programs? Let's do those. And you might actually stop and think about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's called imitation. That's called trying to create our own fruit. 
We are called as an individual church to sit with Jesus and his word and his Holy Spirit and go, what are you doing right here? To take the gospel out to other people. And then what programs are you calling us to support that? And what structure do we need to support that to support that? You following me? Here's where we're at. We have spent two to three years making sure that we've got the gospel message and mission. I hope you're getting it. I believe now in hindsight, this is why God asked us to slow down on the programs. But now, with that foundation, I believe he's calling us to now get into the programs again. I'm not anti-program. I'm anti-programs as the tail wagging the dog. Excuse me. I hope that makes sense. So here we go. At Willow Creek, we have eight core ministries. I'm not talking about our support ministries. We've got a number of those. I'm talking about our frontline ministry ministries. And again, I want to ask you as we go through these, today and in the coming weeks, to ask the Holy Spirit where he is asking you to participate for your own discipleship and where he is asking you to participate for others' discipleship. Here we go. First of our eight, serve. Our serve ministry serves the practical needs of others in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Sarah just shared this morning what that is. We're meeting tangible needs. This is the cup of cold water that Jesus talks about. We're doing that with our own community here at Willow, but we're doing it with the community beyond. I believe it's next week we're going to talk about this one, and you're going to hear what those practical ministries are. Our share ministry, lovingly sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in culturally appropriate ways as the Holy Spirit leads. Abide, then do the stuff. You might know this as evangelism. Same thing. Grow. Through intentional community growing and deep-rooted discipleship by abiding in Jesus Christ and denying ourselves. You're going to hear more in just a second. We have an equipping ministry. This comes from Jesus' call where he says, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Equip disciples by training in our diverse gifting to prepare ourselves for ministry. And send Jesus says, after he says, I'm going to teach you how to fish, I'm going to send you out. Go and make disciples. Led by the Holy Spirit, sending deep-rooted disciples into other areas of ministry to join the mission of making disciples. Equip and send our Holy Spirit discerned processes to help everybody discover their unique gifting and pray about where the Lord is asking you to use it. Not to be someone else and do what they do. Do what God has uniquely gifted you to do. We want to come alongside with you in that process. How do you grow and learn? Like, don't answer that out loud. I'm just kind of curious, right? Some of us are wired to get thrown in the deep end. And when people don't just let us go and do and learn, we get super ticked off. Don't control me. Don't do all that kind of stuff. Mike and I fought about this all the time when he was here. <laughs> if you know Mike, Mike's like a deep end guy. 
He's like, man, just throw me in. That's how I learn best. And I'm like, cool. And I'm like, ah, yeah, could you get into the shallow part with me, please? And I'd just like to see you do it for a little bit. And then, okay, then, and then we'll just ease out to that part where it starts to go down. And what's that for you? We're all different, right? This isn't something you can cookie cut. And so we're asking people to lead these ministries, to come alongside all of us as individuals, discover those gifts, and figure out the best way to get equipped and to move into those places. So we're not just tossing in the deep end and going, hey, hope it works out, and if you didn't swim very well, then we're going to shame you because it's like, well, what's your problem? And we're, we're trying to get over that. We want to come alongside. But notice the progression of these five Ministries. They're based on the five challenges of Christ from the Gospels. It's the path of an individual who has no relationship with Christ, turning to Christ, growing in their personal discipleship of Christ, and then finally being equipped and sent out to participate in other people's discipleship. Do you see the path? Do you see the journey? We have three other really, really important core ministries. Spiritual care. Spiritual care. Dedicated to enhancing Christ-centered spiritual well-being at Willow. What do we mean by that? We recognize that followers of Jesus sometimes encounter a spiritual wall on their discipleship journey, and we need some help. We need the help to figure what that out. That is, so that we can go deeper and be freer in our relationship with Lord and in serving him for others. And can I just say this really quickly? If you're sitting here going, well, I don't need that, that's probably the Holy Spirit telling you you do. Because here's the reality. Every follower of Christ needs spiritual care at some point. Okay, I keep moving. Next generation ministries. Uniquely geared at accomplishing these five other ministries for our children, youth, young adults. Uh, really kind of that age-appropriate kind of stuff. And so Grace is helping us in this ministry now. and We're doing a lot of internship with this. And then our final, our eighth one, is our day camp ministry. Really part of our share ministry primarily. It's an outreach to the community as we provide an amazing day camp experience. But both Next Gen and our day camp have so many different elements of those first five. Uh, equipping, sending, we're equipping some of our younger leaders as they come up. It's amazing. These are our eight core ministries. So if you're going, how would I ever get plugged in? What does Willow do? There you have it. And in the coming weeks, we're going to explain more of what these are. But for right now, can we just pause for a second? I blew past a lot of information there. And you're probably going, wow, you blew past that? That seemed pretty intense. Yeah, I actually blew past. I, I could have spent hours on all of it. I want to make sure we don't miss the moment. And so we're going to take a moment just to pause here around communion and focus on that community. So I'm going to ask the worship team could come and join me. And if I could ask you right now, just quietly take a moment. That was a lot to take in. Don't stress out. If you're one of those people that likes to take notes and you're afraid you missed some information, just relax. And could you invite the Holy Spirit to tell you what from all of that you need to hear today? Could you do that? Could you let him speak to you? Um, if you need communion, if you could just raise your hand. I've got Dave over here um, and Rob. Like, so if you need those, I just want to make sure you have that before we get started. But as they're doing that, if you could just bow right now and take a few minutes in the quiet, would you let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Where are you getting stuck? 
What is he asking of you as we come and we remember Christ through the bread and cup? Would you just do that right now? Lord Jesus, as we remember you today, also remember in that same passage in John 15 where you command us to abide in you, you make a clarification and you say, abide in my love. So I pray for all of the prayer that's been happening here in this time, for all the conversations that are going on individually in heads and minds and with you, would you remove shame and guilt and condemnation and not allow the enemy to have any place there? And even in the places where we have fallen short, even in the places where maybe we have not been obedient, that you would remind us that it's not out of obligation, it's not out of a human version of fear that we deal with those. It's because you love us. And it's because you want what's best that we come and we hand these things over to you. So Lord, would you keep it in that place? Would you remove from every person condemnation and replace it with your grace? Replace it with the love that you showed us when you died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And may we live in your love. Remove from us the guilt. Remove from us the shame, the condemnation. And would you replace in us a heart that desires to follow you because you loved us and because we love you back. Would you do that for us? And would you speak to us in that place? Prepare us for what you have before us. And I pray this in the power and the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Christ took the bread that final night with his disciples. And he reminded them that this bread was a reminder of his body that was given for him. And we are to remind ourselves we take this in remembrance of him. And this cup is a reminder of his blood that was given for you and for me. Take this also in remembrance of him. Mm. Amen. Thanks, guys. Sorry, we're not done yet. Um, this week, I won't be doing the, the long intro that I just gave every week. We're going to dig straight into the ministries in the weeks to come, but really felt it was super important. We can't just talk about these ministries in isolation. We have to make sure that we're driving and unified around the core and the essentials. But uh, in just a moment, I'm going to invite Grania and a few people to come to the stage, and they're going to share about our GROW ministry, what it looks like in real life, and how you can participate in that. But if you give me just a couple more quick minutes here to make some application from the core of what we just talked about, because our GROW ministry really builds out of that abide and deny and Savior and Lordship and all the different things, our GROW ministries which is kind of in the middle of that journey, but really kind of the hub, represent the very difficult personal work of the Lord in the deepest parts of our lives. And you thought it already got pretty deep. That sounds scary, doesn't it? Our GROW ministries, and we'll talk about the details, 
get into some very specific groups and specific ways to do that. And most of those, as most of us who have been in church for any amount of time, we usually look at those as Bible studies. And yes, we study the Bible. Amen. But it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger because we need to ask ourselves, what is the point of studying the Bible and praying? Bible study and prayer is not just so that we can become more intellectually smarter about who Jesus is. Bible study and prayer is that we can actually know who Jesus is. You know what I mean? I can know about a person. That doesn't mean I know them. This is about an intimate communion with our Lord and our Savior. And the goal of Bible study and prayer and the way we move in that is that we actually do the stuff that we hear there. It's application. Identifying and removing dark places within that are not in line with Christ and doing this with other people. This is the goal of our grow ministry. And Jesus says in John 5, 39, you study the scriptures. He's talking to the religious guys who are actually the experts in the Bible. He says, you study the Bible, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures, though, that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever read that verse, that rebuke from Jesus? I wonder how many of us have been guilty of thinking that if I just study the book enough and I know how to answer the answers, that's it. And Jesus goes, if you just do that, you missed the whole point. This book is my gift to you because it points you to me, the living word. That's the point of the book. That's the point of our prayer. It's the book doesn't give us life. The book points us to life, which is Jesus, the living word. That may sound a little crazy, depending on your background. Please don't misunderstand me. This book is super important. Don't want you to go away from here thinking, I don't care about the Bible. Oh, I care about the Bible. Because this is his gift to make it happen. But also his Holy Spirit. And so... When we talk about abiding and denying or we talk about listening and doing, same thing. A lot of discipleship that I've been around in the U.S. and the Canadian church focuses on the listening, but we don't focus on the doing. And even in the listening, we have a very limited understanding of what that means. And this is what we're trying to accomplish for our grow ministry. James 1.22, James says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. As we abide in Christ, primarily through Scripture 
and prayer through his Holy Spirit. The Spirit reveals to us places in our lives that do not line up with the truth of Christ. This is a lot bigger than the morality you're probably spinning in your head right now. It's so much. That's part of it, but it's way bigger than that. It's even doing holy things for the right reasons, or the wrong reasons, I should say. And when he speaks in these places of our lives, we have to deny ourselves and do the thing he said. That is what it means to be a disciple. And if that's not hard enough, there's more. <laughs> Man, I'm so encouraging today, aren't I? You actually have to allow other disciples into this process with you. And can I just be really clear? That's not me telling you that. That's Jesus telling you that. If it were up to me, I would just do it by myself. It's a lot less embarrassing. I'll just go sit in a room by myself and I'll, you know, talk to Jesus and work it out. How many people have done that? Don't raise your hand. And how did that go for you? Because I've tried. And it's amazing how I keep just sticking in the same place. Jesus has wired us for and called us to community with other followers of Christ. And we have to be willing to let them in. We need other people's gifts from the Holy Spirit to help us in our own discipleship. 1 John 1, this is the message we've heard from him, declare to you, God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we don't bring those things out, we lie and we do not live out the truth. That's a harsh statement. But if we walk in the light, if we bring the things out as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's all of us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Sin. Remember sin? Any place, person, or thing that I've looked to other than Jesus for my shalom. That's what we're identifying. That's what we're confessing. Confess to who? James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. He's actually talking to the other disciples. And pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So here's my word of encouragement and exhortation before Grania comes and shares. And thank you for your patience today. Your personal discipleship will stall out if, one, you are not willing to listen and apply Christ's word to your life, his desires his commands. And second, your discipleship will stall out if you're not willing to be vulnerable and allow other disciples into the process. That's a bold statement. And I'm not going to back off of it. It's true from Scripture and it's true in my life personally. This is the way it works. You cannot do discipleship on your own I am very aware of what I'm saying right now and how difficult that is because I have to do it too. And I do do it too. We need the Lord to help us work through our baggage. 
Because without others listening to Christ with us, we are going to remain in the dark. We're not going to see the fruit of his spirit for ourselves or for other people. Practically, biblically, personally, we have many ways to get on this path of growth. The first is what you're doing right now, this service. This service. We're gathered here together. We're opening God's word through prayer, through song, through scripture, all coming together to listen to Christ's words and Christ's desires for us. This is the starting point. But can I just say this as gently as I can? This is the least amount of community involvement in discipleship that will happen in your life. How many times have you come in here, maybe you talked with some people about the weather and a few things going on in your life and then you left. Maybe you didn't even do that. It's really easy in this context to come and listen and go away and never do anything about it. And that's why the next option here is to join a grow group. A grow group where you can grow in your trust, your encouragement, your challenging of each other with other people you know and who know you. The more you trust the person, the more you know the person, the easier this gets, right? That's pretty simple. We have women's groups, we have men's groups. But this should be a regular part of all of our lives. This is closer to what the early church we read about here did. There was no such thing as a big room where everybody got together. That disappeared really quickly because of persecution. Doesn't mean this is wrong. Don't get me wrong on that. But ultimately, I want to encourage you within that to actually find one or two other people that you can go even deeper with. What would that look like? Again, the more trust, the more safety, the more intimacy, the more sharing the more the Spirit is able to do the difficult and deep work of discipleship in our own lives. And why would you ever do that? Because the harder the work, the deeper the work, the deeper it cuts, the more freedom we gain. The more healing we gain, the more power of His Spirit in us and through us we gain. That's why. This isn't just some cruel thing Jesus placed on us. Hey, go talk really about intimate things with other people. I want to see you squirm. That's not how he operates. He's doing this for our good because that's what brings life. So I'm going to ask Grania to come and join me, and I think you've got a few friends that are going to come with you and share how you can see what's going on here and how you can get plugged in. Share a mic. Sorry, guys, we don't have enough stools, but if you'd like to uh, pull what we do have and uh, sit, that would be great. Okay. 
So, uh, spread out a bit. People can't see who you are. Spread out a wee bit. Okay. Okay, Mandy, you're hiding. Okay. There you go. Hi, guys. And I promise you we are not going to be super long. And I also promise you we're not going to re-preach the entire sermon. Though I've got to tell you, we could take this sermon today, I almost feel emotional now, and literally use it for the entire year. There is so, so much in this. These folks you see here today are just a small representation of our GROW ministry. And I'd love to invite everybody who is part of that up here, but we'd be here till three o'clock this afternoon, right? So, um, the folks that are here today are going to talk to you briefly about what their personal experience is in both being part of a group, because everyone here was first, first had taken that step to um, join some kind of a grow group, recognizing in themselves they needed more recognizing in all ourselves we can't do this alone we just can't it's impossible because as humans we live in our own head and um, a big change for me was just really understanding what the abiding piece of abide and deny means because if we understand that then we're ready to move in to what deny looks like if we try and do that part without abiding, without truly making friends with Jesus, truly talking to him, truly seeking his spirit, truly being vulnerable, and I am a very strong personality, and for me to be vulnerable was hard, but it's been life-changing, and I'm so grateful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. So enough from me. We're going to have a little bit of a round-the-table kind of chat and just hear from different folks on where they're at, what it looks like practically to them, how um, it looks when people come together as a group, and how the groups and people in those groups have that opportunity to grow, to be vulnerable in a very, very safe place and build relationships that uh, maybe they never had an opportunity to build before. And moving out from that, I'd like to start with Mark and Tosh and Sarah and Jeff. And I'm, I'm start, yeah, go, you can give it to Mark and Tosh first. That's great, Jeff, yeah, yeah. I'm starting there. Last week, we heard from Grace about Next Gen and um, an amazing ministry. However, next generation does become a little older. Sorry, guys, you will. <laughs> you will. And after that, then what happens? Mark, Tosh, Jeff, and Sarah have stepped out in um, their gifting. And we have very unique and diverse gifting here, very motley crew. Um, but they have stepped out um, with their desire to fill that need. And this is part of disciples making disciples because all of these folks came from a grow group, right? Where you stepped in first and are still parts of groups. And they really saw that need and felt that calling. So I'm going to turn it over uh, 
Jen, or Tosh and Mark first. And if you could just chat with us a little bit about your heart for the age group of young adults, which I believe is about 18 to, to 25. And if I was a young adult, well, many years ago I was, but if I was, and I came into your group, what would that look like for me? Um, okay, so we practically, we meet on Sunday nights, um, and we kind of have a format where it's like every other week we kind of, it's more of a informal hangout. The group we have right now loves playing games, and sometimes the competitiveness is a little unhealthy, but that's okay, we have fun. Um, uh, we're thinking about maybe bringing in some more discipleship component to those nights so that it's going to be split up possibly. Um, every other night um, we do a discussion like a normal grow group would. So we go through the questions from the sermon and um, just, yeah, kind of like where things go, we just kind of let it kind of flow naturally as far as the questions that um, the young adults have. And yeah, it's actually pretty incredible when we like give a little silence what comes out of that the, the, the yeah, kids I'm sorry the young adults have a lot of insight and it's it's really it's really neat to see where God's working in their lives and just kind of how they share and kind of feed off each other that way great so Mark can I ask you because you said something to me last week that really kind of struck me and resonated with me and uh, we were talking about going deeper and uh, you know encouraging people to develop those disciple relationships and you were talking about the importance of building that sense of community and friendship first can you just chat a little bit about that and how that would resonate with people in your group I mean, yeah, I, I think um, probably the reason why we were involved, got involved originally in young adults, which I guess has uh, been five years at least now for Tosh and I, um, we really, uh, what we appreciate at Willow, um, which we didn't have at previous uh, churches that we've been uh, involved in, has been this um, ability to have sort of this generational discipleship that I think a lot of churches do not have and that I really noticed in Willow and as we have gone now been here for a while and seen our kids grow up through the uh, through the, uh, the the junior high senior high and now our eldest uh, potentially being in the young adults group um, we've noticed uh, we've We've just noticed the ability for the older older generations to teach the younger generations, etc. And we felt that w this was our our ministry to be involved in the uh, in the lives of uh, some of the young adults who ultimately would be in involved in the lives of our children, who ultimately would be in the lives involved in the lives of the children below them, etc. So, so that's that's kind of where Tosh and I have have come from in this, and we've really appreciated uh, Willow in, in that. I think ultimately, um, what, and to, to your point, Grania, I think what I, we were speaking about a week ago or, or so is how you have tough conversations, and a lot of times you can't have tough conversations without having um, relationship. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that's what our, our hope is, is that in, in these groups, particularly our young adults group, and then our, we also have a, a, another girl group that we're involved in as 
normal old adults um, right. <laughs> that we uh, that we build these relationships and that in these relationships we're able to have deeper and stronger uh, conversations about things which ultimately further our discipleship and spiritual formation great thanks yeah so uh, coming into that part of community community is so important that it's uh, I think we can come in here as new folks and feel, where do I fit? It starts with just the first steps of building a relationship and then going from there. And being brave enough to do it, it's really hard. Even for those of us who look extrovert, it can be really tough because the enemy plays games in our mind. You know, will I fit in? Jay talked a lot about vulnerability and our sense of feeling we have to be at a certain place. It's a big lie. We don't. And Jeff, I want you to pick up on that particular one again. And this applies for all groups, not just for young adults coming in. But so I'm 19, right? I've just landed here. I've finished school. I'm not going away. I've landed here. I'm just figuring things out. I'm figuring things out. How do I fit in? How do I fit into your group? What happens there that, um, yeah. And I'm asking you, Jeff, because I think you have a heart for that yourself. I was gonna ask for a new question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I don't know. I had, I had notes prepared and everything. This From is not the heart. question I expected. <laughs> From your um, heart. <laughs> you know, I, I think that revolves around the group like we Sarah and I got involved with the young adults because we believe that's where our heart was taking us um, and I think probably because maybe my immaturity levels at the same level as them so that really helps <laughs> but at the end of the day like when you watch these young adults as they are YAs whatever you want to call them um, when you watch them do their thing like they are so um, welcoming they, they, they welcome anybody everybody into their group and it's, it's a pretty amazing sight to see. And I've never seen a situation where anybody's been excluded. They're just, they're just so welcoming and so honest and so nice. And they just kind of just bring everybody in. And all of a sudden you have this huge family that just continually grows. Um, like I think we're adding something like eight to 10 people this year, mm -hmm. uh, young adults this year to our group again. So it's just an amazing experience to watch how God works in these, in these young people. And, you know, they're just so good at it. And it makes, it makes me especially want to be better at it. So it makes me want to become a better Christian, become a better person, mm -hmm. better father, better friend. Um, yeah, so, you know, like we, I went as far this year as uh, to, to get baptized because of it, really. And that's honest truth. Like I, I, had, I was baptized as a kid in the Presbyterian situation. But I got baptized uh, last Sunday, as a matter of fact, guys. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, it had everything to do with those guys. Like, it had to do with God. But the, what the driving factor was these young, young people, these young adults, they, they just do things so well, and it uh, just makes you want to be better. Yeah. Was, yeah. I don't know if I really answered your question. Well, yes, you did. But yes, you did. And, yeah. and you know what I appreciate about you, Jeff, and that is your vulnerability in that. I know, you know, there was great vulnerability for you to lay that down and becoming, being baptized. And, um, yeah, so thank you for that. And we thank actually had you. a couple of young adults that got baptized, too. Yeah, so. yeah, that's fantastic. 
That's brilliant. Sarah, Sarah, well, Sarah, yeah, Sarah has a huge heart for young adults, and I think Sarah for ministry at heart, since we say Sarah has a few fingers in the different pies. But Sarah, um, I just want you to chat a little bit. When young adults get to the point where they're not um, young adults anymore, uh, this is where there is the encouragement to take what they've learned and to move forward, maybe into another group, a discipleship relationship, serving in other areas. And I know you've had experience of uh, seeing that happen. Do you want to just chat for a minute well, about I, that? Well, I think a huge part of that is watching where my position in children's ministry has gone. Um, I think that we had a set kind of uh, idea of what a children's ministry director should look like. And um, I don't know if you've noticed what's happened with this next-gen group of interns and where they're going from day camp leaders to children's ministry. Um, you're going to see a huge change downstairs with what Jackson is doing. And Jackson is 18 years old and taking on a position that you know, traditionally would have been a sex sort of parameters, and God has not led us there. And um, when I decided that I was going to step down and just do serve and um, solely, every door that needed to be opened, God opened it. And, and there was no hesitation that God was ready to welcome Jackson into that position, and who he has leading with him, um, that has completely changed. He has young adults, he has uh, junior highs, he has senior highs. He has people serving that have never served before, but are, are as we talked about, discipling the next generation, and what better way to learn and to understand than from their peers. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, I just want to say that, you know, you might not have noticed, but those back two pews are usually jammed full of people in the young adult age group, junior high, senior high, young adults, and there is a community there that we are finding and that God is using, and that is a really cool thing to be part of. That's great. Thanks, Sarah. Um, so, guys, we're moving across generations here, and I want what we really want you to see today this ministry is multi generational. But instead of us starting in the middle, it is a ministry that is across the board. And as we go through this year, one of our prayers are that we can really integrate those generations also, because everybody is going to have something really valuable to bring to each other and to bring to the table. Um, Rachel and Derek were to chat today, but unfortunately illness visited them early this morning. Um, we also have three really great um, groups of when young adults become like the rest of us, kind of heading towards old adults, or whatever that may look like. And we had three um, folks and couples come out of the young adult ministry uh, a couple of years ago and made the decision that they want to multiply, they wanted to disciple, and they have started up three groups where now they're meeting that next chapter. Don't get confused, next gen, next chapter, cross generations, it all encompasses us all. But what is that next chapter? Life's changing, right? I remember those 10 
years, between sort of 25 and 35, there's massive change in our life. And so they have come together and they are ready to welcome people across generations also because they really recognize the value in that. So please keep that in mind. Next, I want to go to Sarah and Nate. Hi, Sarah and Nate. And I asked Sarah and Nate to join us. Um, I've known Sarah and Nate for many, 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 many years. Sarah, when you used to hop around on this stage at day camp and whatever. Um, so Sarah has had a heart to serve from the time of a small child. But Sarah has a vulnerability and Nate alongside um, and a humility that is something that really speaks to me and has spoken to me a lot over the years. I want to say that to you. <laughs> but um, so Sarah and Nate have been part of a very robust grow group and this year they felt a tug to start a new group, right? So I think that really again speaks to the um, recognizing you need to step into community yourselves and then growing through that and branching out. So do you guys want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Thank you, Grania. Um, yeah, I, I think that one of the things in our stage of parenting is that we have kids that are, you know, going to bed by 8 o'clock, and so, and then lots of after extracurricular activities. So one of the things that we've come to realize is during this season, it's very difficult to find a group that we can all meet and our kids are also cared for and feeling part of it. Um, so one of these ideas that came along from another friend that had done this at a different church that I really appreciated was um, different than maybe other groups we've been part of. So we've tried, we've been part of many life groups with many of you and our grow groups and some of them we've met right after church and our kids have just kind of run crazy in another room or in the lower auditorium while we tried to have vulnerable conversations and pray together, and it didn't always go as planned, um, but it was still valuable. But what the new thought that came across was to have, so four different weeks, say, in a, in a month, the very first week, we will just have a family lunch. So after church, perhaps right here, at church, we would all just bring our own lunches, share time together in an, an opportunity to just see each other's kids and maybe not as, as intimate of a prayer request kind of a situation, but a, a social family gathering. And then week two would be girls' night only. So a Sunday night, I think, is what we're talking about, or like late afternoon before dinner, um, where all the women in the group get together at somebody's house and just go a bit deeper into what they're going through, um, chat about the sermon, whatever is going on, and pray for one another. And then the following week would be guys' night, so the women are already at home with the kids, um, and vice versa, so there's not childcare required for those evenings. And then the final week, we would try to get together and get childcare and have an evening um, with just the couples, or it doesn't have to be couples, it can be singles as well, but just the adults on the final week. So it's a new format, but I think it could work for, but I mean, childcare costs a lot as well, so just trying to avoid that and make it accessible to everyone. So that's what we're thinking. 
That's great. <laughs> and guys, I think what Sarah and Nate are doing is really, again, not letting the obstacles of everyday life just stand in our way, right? Looking for new ways to connect, to build community, to discipleship each other, to come together as families. Nate, I'm going to put you on the hot spot there because talking with you, Nate, you really have a heart for connecting and reaching out to people who are coming in to our community. Um, you may be coming from another church location or just may have been asking questions along the way and ready now to go a little bit further. So can you chat a little bit about your heart for that? I think even just looking back at the importance of the girl group as, as an introvert that doesn't want to talk, <coughs> even thinking about starting another one, that feeling that we're leaving a group behind because it's been so cool to connect with all these families and grow and do life together. Um, me thinking that I feel bad wanting to talk to people or not talk to people. Um, as an introvert, that's really weird <laughs> that I still want to, you know, like to do that. Um, so I think the, the growth that has come through uh, all the couples that we've been meeting over the last couple of years, it's cool to see how far we've grown, but then that desire of seeing other families that we've seen come through the door that need to connect um, to, to try to reach out to them. Um, it's given us that base, the, that foundation to, to continue to grow and then help others grow to make disciples. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's hard for me. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I can, through the last few years, and have seen where God's been fertilizing that and growing that and yeah. Oh, th thanks, Nate. That, uh, guys, I really wanted to hear from Nate. Nate has such a heart and such a heart to keep growing. And the vulnerability, right? It's hard. It's actually, it's hard for all of us in different ways. But again, we are never going this alone, right? We are never, ever alone. Um, okay, Kelly. Kelly um, is going to chat with you. Kelly represents um, our ladies' ministry. Deb and Dave, Deb is Dave are still here? Deb's there. Deb um, oversees our ladies' ministry. We have uh, two groups, and Deb is going to be potentially starting a new group also in the fall um, if the groups fill up. And again, guys, I just want to say that is the heart of the ministry as well. Uh, we have this desire that the, uh, the, we'll never say there's no room at the end. It may not be exactly what you've requested, but we will pray with you, we will work with you, and we will find a place where you can connect in. So um, Kelly ha is going to chat a little bit about ladies' ministry as a grow group in itself. Okay, Kelly, and I think you're going to be doing Romans this particular season. Yes, so, great correct. book. Okay. Yeah, I'll be leading a Bible study. Um, we're going to be studying the book of Romans. Uh, we're starting um, in October, uh, Wednesday, 6.30 for the information. Um, and for ladies' Bible study, it's a group of ladies. We, we join together and we study a book of the Bible. We're going to study Romans, and we come together 
We read about a chapter a week, and we come together and we share what we've learned or what we didn't really understand. Um, it's so amazing to kind of dig into the scripture a little bit, um, but also to be listening to the Holy Spirit as we do that. So, you know, getting the extra material, so not just the Bible, but looking at everything, the, a concordance, things like that, going to other places in the Bible that help support what you're reading, um, and learning something new about Jesus, <laughs> about the Lord, and bringing it back um, but also being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to teach me about this passage or wanting to reveal in my life? Um, and coming as a group and being vulnerable and open and sharing that with each other. And then us as ladies being able to support and pray as we go through that, <laughs> whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's placing on our heart. Um, and something we'll be doing is every couple of months, um, We'll be doing a prayer night of sorts where we can encourage each other and we can really pray into these things that the Holy Spirit has been placing on our hearts through our study of Romans. And we'll be able to support each other and really pray through these different areas. So I'm really excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Kelly. And um, we will keep you all updated. Actually, guys, we should have a slide up here on how people can connect. I know Rachel had prepared one, but we'll keep you updated on um, the um, third Bible study that uh, will also be starting up. So I believe October is the start date for those particular studies. That's great. Next to Kelly is her other half. Johnny, <laughs> okay, and um, Johnny is part of our men's ministry, um, aka The Forge, but I believe now just called The Men's Ministry, right, Johnny? That's correct. We okay. workshopped it. The Forge wasn't connecting with the younger generation, so we've, we've gotten rid They don't know what it is. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, good. So, Johnny, do you want to chat a little bit about The Forge, and again, how that kind of works into our um, application, coming together in community and growing together so that we can actually apply God's word into our everyday life. Yes, yes, that's a, that's a great thing to think about. Um, so as, as men, we get together once a month uh, for a meeting. We just had our first meeting of the season yesterday, and it was lovely to see a couple of people um, out here who are still there. And there's a lot of intergenerational groups. I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I just do want to say that if you're as young as Jackson Bray or as old as uh, Rob Poulin, who's our senior resident senior, um, <laughs> you are all men and you are all welcome um, to be part of this journey of how do we practically apply to things that uh, we're learning on a Sunday morning, that we're um, working out with our spouses or um, with our kids or whatever your life situation is. Uh, we want to come together and encourage each other because like no man is an island we're all in this together we're all trying to figure out how do we love god and how do we love others right mm -hmm. um and i don't have the answers and brad doesn't have the answers and jay has some of the answers <laughs> right but um if i try to hold it in myself and say i'll figure it out um all i'm doing is hurting myself hurting those around me not loving those around me, right? And so what we want to do is help build a community uh, of men in this church who have access to the other men in this church so they can learn from each other. Iron can sharpen iron, not as a forge because we're not a forge anymore. Um, but we really do want to build that community that um, really pursues God together. 
And one of the ways we're doing that is there is a men's retreat at the end of this month. You want to talk to Brad about it. We're very excited, super pumped. Um, I'm going to be going, so it's going to be a good time, guaranteed. Uh, Jay, are you coming to the men's retreat? <laughs> oh, yes. No Jay, pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. But if you guys, yes, it's going to be a great time connecting with each other, diving deeper into who we are as men and how we can operate um, in the authority that God gives us um, in our spheres. So looking forward to that. Does that that's, answer the yes, question? Yes, that's great, Johnny. Okay. Thank you. So guys, put it on your calendar if you're not moving. Um, and <laughs> that would be great. You can talk to Johnny, Rob. I think Rob had to leave. Sorry, I know we're going on a little longer today. Um, and um, Brad. Last but not least, folks, I want to invite Mandy and Denise to come forward. Um, we spoke about, or Jay has spoken about, uh, going into deeper discipleship. You know, coming alongside uh, one or two people, which is a group in itself also, giving each other permission to really speak into each other's lives, wrapped in the whole foundation of Scripture. Um, many of us have stepped into those relationships. I've got to tell you, for me, it has been huge. And I'm wrapped up in ministry all the time, but it has been so enriching. I want to invite Mandy, who I know that is Mandy's, uh, uh, has a little testimony around that. And Denise, I don't believe you're in relation that relationship with each other as such, but you both have had different experiences with that. Who would like to take that first? Denise. Okay, and we'll wrap up in two minutes, guys. Hang in with us, please. <laughs> yeah. Is this on? Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to say I started coming to Willow years ago when my kids were really young. And um, I had a young family. And it wasn't long before I got invited to a small group. Um, it was a neighbor's, at a neighbor's from Willow. And I was actually really taken back and surprised that I grew so, I don't know, I just, I just felt like connected more to Willow and connected to the group. I'd gone to church my entire life and I was really surprised on how quickly um, it was different for me. I felt like Willow was part of my church family and this group, it was just amazing. So it was really life-changing and it happened really fast for me. Um, my husband and I went to um, different groups over the years. We wanted to meet different people in the church, and that was really, really good for us. Um, some of the best times of our life, actually. Um, so now I'm going to fast forward to grow groups. Um, I have to say that I think that Jay had set it up really well for me to go into a great group, uh, sorry, a grow group, because of the word abide and talking about abiding. Instead of having all the pressure of trying to figure everything out, the word abide brings me so much peace and joy. Um, I can just be myself. I can do my life, have God in my life, and just take one step at a time without knowing all the answers. It felt like I could just abide um, permission to go through life's trials without all the terrible stresses and feeling like I had to figure it out. So I learned to slow down, just abide in Christ. Um, I started this grow group this year with just one other person um, because there were a few different reasons, but it worked out really well for us because our schedules and we could fit it in to make sure that we could be flexible to see each other. 
It is, I would say, different than any other group, although the other groups were really amazing. It's different because I was really learning how to apply God's word to my life. Um, I listened, and I knew God's word, and it's really been helpful over all the years, but the discipleship in sharing and actually applying scripture made a whole difference to me, which was really great. I just want to give an example of how I have applied God's word to my life. Um, well, three and a half years ago, my husband passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And I said to God, like, what do I do now? Like, what am I going to do? I thought, am I going, what am I going to do with my house, with my family, with my life? Even how am I going to get through this day? And I came across a bookmark that I had in one of my books. Obviously, I've read it many times, and I know this bookmark, uh, the verse on it, because it was a worn-out bookmark. But it was different, and this is how I was applying it to my life. The verse was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. So I broke it down, and I know I trust the Lord. I know it. I've been through a lot of things in my life, and he has proven to be trustworthy so that I could apply that in my life, no problem at all. Leaning not on my own understanding was so huge for me because I tried to figure everything out. I tried to be in control, all these things that were going on. I tried to make sense of it. I just surrendered it to God, and I wasn't leaning on my own understanding. I was just trusting him. Acknowledging him in all my ways was not hard because he is amazing, and he has proven himself time and time again to be trustworthy, to be faithful. I know he loves me. So that part of it was not hard. And then the part that I was asking in my prayer was, um, you know, what am I going to do? And he said, he will direct your path. So just going through that verse, it hit me, and I carried it all through, like right now, even now, everything that I go through. That, to me, is applying scripture to your life. So I've learned to abide in the Lord, rest in him, just be myself, enjoy my day-to-day -day life, um, trust in him with that verse. The other thing is, is what happens when you have something that comes up that's really big right now, and I have to have an answer, and I don't know what to do? Well, there's a verse in the Bible for that, <laughs> many. But the one is, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So I've learned that I don't have to have the answers right away. I can abide in Christ. I can trust in him. I can wait upon him. And oh my goodness, my life is so changed. So going in with that and knowing that applying God's word to our life is so powerful. With my partner in my grow group, who was a friend who we've grown much deeper friends, um, we shared God's truth. We shared verses that we could actually apply to our life. Um, we grew together. We taught each other, and it was absolutely amazing. So if you're not in a group and you haven't experienced that, or if you haven't really tried applying God's word, um, another thing I'll have to say is studying in the area that you are struggling in. Um, a lot of you know before that I was going through a fear time in my life. Struggle, what, uh, study what the Bible says about what you're going through, about fear. There's so much hope, there's so much promise in it, and by applying it and discipleship and sharing um, totally will change your life. Thanks, Denise. And what Denise is really, I think, um, 
saying as well is that that kind of discipleship or relationship, it's a two-way relationship. Uh, Denise, you sp spoke beautifully about scripture, people speaking into your life. Denise also speaks beautifully into other people's lives too. So last but not least, Mandy, and guys, uh, I know we're late, please rewatch. Uh, or everything went much later today, but go online, encourage other people to go online. Mandy, if you'd like to wrap us up in uh, what you'd like to share about discipleship okay. relationships. Yeah, um, just I'll just close with this other aspect of it, and that would be from James 5.16, which is a verse that I don't like, but I also have learned to love it. Um, it says, uh, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And um, I, I, that's not been a practice that I've really learned, heard a lot about. I've heard a lot about confess to the Lord, but not a lot about confessing to each other. And for me, um, I'm in a, a small, small, small group with a couple people. And um, uh, yes, for encouragement, yes, for challenging and talking and prayer. But one of the biggest things is um, when I have something that... I, whoa, as I fall over. I think you, need a, I think you actually need to sit down. Okay. Um, I'll sit down. When I have something that I don't want anyone to know, that's when God is like, you need to tell someone. And I hate it, but it's been, it has been one of the most freeing, amazing things in my life because Satan loves to put us in isolation. He wants to keep us in that place of guilt and shame. And as long as we stay there in our heads, we just spiral down and it's a really dark place. But as soon as we bring it to the light and we tell someone else and when they listen with grace and love and mercy and you receive freedom, it, it's just the weight of the world that's off your shoulders and then that power that the enemy has actually disappears. And, um, and so there's that aspect of receiving freedom and grace, but then there's the other part where when you are vulnerable with someone else, then you give them permission to be vulnerable as well. And I think that's been one of the best things. And it's amazing, the things I thought, oh my goodness, what would I do if someone ever knew that? I don't really think that way anymore because it, the power that it had over me is gone. And I think that's been one of the best parts of that verse, the so you may be healed. It, there's a lot, there's truth there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks Mandy. Um, uh, and that is a huge point. And I just want to say to you folks who are still with us here, what Mandy has described as a ministry team here in Willow, we practice, right? We practice a huge vulnerability coming alongside each other when we're struggling. And then entering into that kind of relationship where we can be totally honest, vulnerable, and allow others to speak into our life because we know it's wrapped in God's grace and love. Tate last week gave her little testimony, which was a big testimony. And one thing that, you know, we look at Tate as a young person, but this applies to us. I don't care if we're 90, it applies to us. And that is, Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me as I am. We are all, every one of us up here are broken people. None of us have all the answers. Uh, we have other leaders. Uh, Wendy, if you like to stand up there. Hi, Wendy. Wendy, get up. Up, up, up. <laughs> Wendy and Dave lead. We have Jane and Bill. We have the Heidmans. We have about six other people. We're all 
ordinary people. And I'm always struck how Jesus, you know, we hear he called his disciples ordinary, everyday men, right? So if anyone feels, I don't know enough, oh, I should be here and I'm not, or I know too much, that can also hurt us. I know too much and I, I feel that, you know, this is the way it should be. Whichever end of the scale you're on or in between, just remember, we all come to him exactly as we are. He knows us so intimately. We can't hide anything. But he does call us into communion for us to abide, to talk with him, to listen to him, deny, give up our stuff, and follow him. And community, and that's what all these folks represent and the ones who can't be here today so that we can develop our Christ-like character. We can imitate Christ. We are not Christ, but he walked among us as man, and that was a huge revelation to me when I actually accepted that. He didn't play the God card. He walked with us as man. He, he submitted, surrendered to the Father. And he came and showed us what that looks like in practical terms. And we're all here together to love and support each other, no matter what stage we are in life, through that. The journey is never over, but we're always growing, and we're growing together. So guys, thank you all for hanging in with us. I know this went long, um, but we're so grateful that you stayed to listen. And thank all of you for coming up, uh, sharing, being vulnerable, uh, talking from your heart. We so love you and appreciate you. Grow groups, men's ministry, ladies' ministry. You can get connected by... Uh, scanning our QR code. You can go to our website, willowbarry.org, and hit connect. Or on Family News, you can also hit connect. Start dates will begin from next week and rolling into October. So please, guys, connect, and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless.